And now, back to Tesh Matters with Jeff Boggs. Phone lines are open. Reach out and touch Jeff at 367-1240. 25, almost 26 minutes after 11 o'clock, our Mellow Joy Coffee Time, 367-1240. If you do have a question or comment for Richard Hebert, feel free to give us a call. My pleasure to welcome him back to the show. Miss Jill last week but i know business sometimes uh, crops up that's right that's right so uh yeah i'm glad to be in the uh the weather's nice and humid now jeff and oh, so yeah. bear down it's coming remember i asked you a couple of weeks ago if it was too late to plant any seeds i don't know if you remember that uh, okay. popped up what you know, vegetables oh yeah yeah, you know. yeah. and um you had left behind, I don't think you did it on purpose, but you had left behind some of those coated cucumber yes, seeds. Yes, And I said, you know what, I've been meaning to tell you they, they were sitting right there. And then I, on Sunday, I was here in the morning, I said, you know what, I got an empty pot. All right. I'm going to yeah. plant them. All right. Sunday. Okay. They're already like this high That's above right. the ground. That's I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm showing them about an inch. No, and that is uh, that is correct. See, a lot of people... Or especially the younger people who haven't done it that much, uh, just think it's too late. And, and for some things it is, but for a lot of things it's not. And the difference is planted earlier and late is that what you just did, if you'd have done it six weeks ago, it would have taken a month for those seeds to come up outside, really? outside if they would have come up. Because once you have a seed sitting in the ground for a month, a lot of things can happen. You know, a lot, too much water, they rot, or because they're just sitting there. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, if you plant it late in the season, when the ground temperature warms up, what happens is exactly what you just said. It's just that it comes up so fast and it grows so fast. And, and I've said this before on the show, when it comes to a plant like okra and cucumbers, um, you know, people will try to get an early start with okra. And, and many times the people who plant middle of April versus the people who plant the middle of March will, will catch up. Uh, because the the seed doesn't, I mean, the plant itself never got stunted, never got hit by a north wind, and it just grow like a weed. And you're going to find that that cucumber is going to grow like a weed. And uh, so, so you will be supplying guests with cucumbers this year. Is what you tell me? Maybe them? so. Maybe All so. Right. Uh, let me ask you this though, too. Um, what uh, you know, I, I put them in a pot about 14 inches wide, maybe. 12 to 14 inches, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a bunch of seeds. How, how are they going to come out of that pot? I know it's a vining thing. Right. What, what are my challenges? So the, ch- the challenge would be that if you don't have something for them to vine up, they're going to trail out of the pot. So they're going to trail out of the pot five or six feet. So you're going to have to, is it in the grass or in the concrete? It's on um, sort of a little brick fence, okay. a short little stoop-like. Okay. Well, if there was some way that you could... Put something, even just little sticks, uh, oh, yeah. to yeah. put against the against the uh, brick fence and let them go up. It's going to be much easier for you to do that. They'll find it. Uh, oh, e- very easily. I mean, okay. you may have to, depending on your situation, uh, you may have to just kind of take one of the little plants and turn it and make sure they, they're going to shoot out these little tendrils, right, right. which which will grab onto anything. It's amazing. Oh, Mother Nature is amazing. And uh, and so it will grab that, and that's it. Once it grabs one, it's going to keep going up. And so if you can have it come out of the ground, let's say, five feet, obviously some kind of wire netting or some, or some kind of netting would be nice. But in your case, just stick some, some sticks and let it, let it trail up. You may have to do several. 
and let them trail up and uh, and just you're just going to need it stable enough so it won't just collapse on you. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that and use that brick wall or fence to kind of support it, uh, that should be all you need. Okay. And uh, and just kind of we'll talk about what you're looking out for uh, uh, as the as the plant grows in just a second. Very cool. The uh, so what I did bring my show and tell on for the radio show here and uh, and and the the big issue when it comes to vegetables, Jeff is and I'm a show I'm showing Jeff a few different I'm gonna throw some leaves at him and um, and and so what you're looking for and Jeff's looking at uh, some leaves this is off a tomato plant and the leaves have uh, yellowing on it but they have these spots on it, as opposed to that one Jeff which is just kind of a, a dull yellow. And and I assume it's not dull yellow because it's been cut for a while. No, no, yeah. I just cut this. And gotcha. but but basically, when you have a a plant that's just a solid yellowish or light green, as averse to as as opposed to the ones that Jeff just looked at, which Those is look eaten up. Well, eaten up, and that's part bug. But one the the parts that's not eaten but has spots on it, so it's not just a yellowing. This one, the, this light green yellowing was caused by the plant just dried out in between waterings, and so some of the leaves will turn a lime green yellowish. But as you can see, this leaf is, is clean. There's, no, there's no, nothing eaten on it, but more importantly, there's no black spots or brown spots on it. So this is, this is, this is kind of not normal, but, but if you let it dry out in between waterings where two things can happen when you let a plant dry out. One, if you let it dry out too much and it's hot enough, it'll just burn up. Or if you water it enough to keep it alive and keep it relatively growing, but it just dries out just enough in between waterings, they will turn yellow. But it will be a perfect yellow it will don't, or a lime green yellow. It won't have the spots. Those have the spots, and uh, they can start in many spots. They can, they can start from the bottom and go up, or they can start within the plant, just different types of uh, bacteria that are causing the problems. And, and like I said uh, a couple of weeks ago, you really want to start spraying these vegetables uh, you know, once a week with a fungicide. You can alternate your fungicides even better, but that's going to be the way that you can kind of slow down this process. Uh, you know, I have some plants at home that I spray once a week. I have got zero fungus on them at all, but people are starting to bring in a lot of issues when it comes to uh, to the uh, the fungus problem. So look out for that. What you saw there, uh, eating up, Jeff, that's actually caused by a worm, and you just need to... Uh, you know that's easily controlled. You got to spread it. Very a lot of safe things that will control it. But we, we're starting to see, and we'll see more. I think insects this year than we did in the previous couple years. And the main reason is because two years ago we had a hard freeze late in the winter, February. Last year I don't really remember. There was nothing exciting happened, but we did get some cold weather. But the difference this year is that we got a hard freeze, but it occurred in December, and January was warm, February was warm, March was warm other than that three days when we got cold weather. And so we, the, the population has been, uh, been multiplying on us. So we're starting to see a lot of aphid issues, which is little, little, little uh, small bugs that, that accumulate underneath the leaves and around leaf buds, I mean uh, flower buds. And, um, and worms is the other one we've seen, and caterpillars. Haven't seen much on uh, stink bugs or squash bug yet, but I have a feeling it's going to be an issue strictly because – the temperatures were so warm uh, early, and so they've had a chance to uh, to really multiply. So you want to look out for that. We're getting people calling about uh, the cucumbers. Actually, they say my cucumbers are small and turning yellow and falling. And uh, 
you, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, that was a pollination issue that occurred maybe two or three weeks ago when the temperatures got relatively cool uh, at night. And some people get the problem, some people won't. It just depends on when those flowers opened up. So if you did have a, a you know a bunch of cucumbers that opened up, and that and that gets back to these early starts with certain plants, Jeff. You know, you get an early start, you protect it, and a lot of times the the, the guy who planted later will do the same, only because situations like this where where uh, the person who planted early, their flowers were uh, opening up when they got cold. And so two things can happen. It could mess up pollination or it could cause that plant not to, to uh, pollinate at all. And, uh, and, but anyway, and, and so we're telling people that's going to cure itself. The temperature is doing what it's doing. Night temperature is warming up. Uh, they should outgrow that with no problems, and you'll start to see the normal cucumber develop. And so that was just kind of an unlucky situation uh, for a few nights. And then uh, the other thing when it comes to cucumbers and squash, in fact, I did bring some to show that, Jeff. So uh, squash and cucumbers, uh, as opposed to a tomato, a bell pepper, and eggplant, will make, uh, will make two types of flowers. So they'll make a female flower, and they will make a male flower. So I'm, I'm giving Jeff here a – this is a squash plant, Jeff. And uh, you can see where one of the flowers has a squash on it, right? And there's one in there that just has nothing behind it, maybe above your, your hand. Yeah, that one. And it just has the flower. So that is the male, and the other one is the female that has the squash. But what happens uh, when they first start uh, 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 flowering, cucumbers and squash, uh, they'll shoot out mostly, if not 100%, male flowers first. And no female. So we, we start to get calls and saying, look, man, my flowers aren't pollinating. What do I need to do? And we just tell them, say, look, night temperature is warming up. It's going to help you. But more importantly, it's very normal for the first 7 to 14 days for uh, these type plants to produce strictly uh, uh, male flowers. And then they'll start to put out the female flowers, and they'll cross-pollinate in a non-issue. You could technically, Jeff, take the... Uh, uh, that male flower and go pollinate it yourself. But old Mother Nature is going to do itself between wind and the bees. But you have an issue with bees, and you can actually take it and, 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 and uh, do that. There's also this right here, Jeff, is called tomato and pepper set. And that is one you actually, we mainly use this when temperatures are too cool at night, usually 40 and below, or they start to get too hot. And, um, you know, when temperatures start to get into the upper 90s, sometimes... Uh, you, you know, the vegetables have a hard time setting, setting the fruit. And all you do with this is you can spray it on the leaves. But the main thing, you set it on the flower itself, and it will allow it to pollinate, even though it's having some detrimental uh, weather conditions that it may cause it not to pollinate. Yeah, it says tomato and peppers said, but obviously it's good for more than more, that. More than that, right. And, uh, and, and so when it comes to uh, things such as tomatoes, you know, tomatoes are a big one to try to get an early start. If anything, my customer comes in and says, look, uh, you know, should I get an early start? Shouldn't I get a start? I tell them, say, look, the one if you want to try anything to get it would be the tomato. And the reason that is, is tomatoes can take a little bit more cold than the cucumber and the squash and the pepper. And uh, uh, they do struggle when temperatures start to get real hot in setting fruit. So if you plant too late, and like last year, by the middle of May, we were getting 91, 92 degrees consistently. And so people were having the plants that plant late. They were just starting to flower, 
and so they weren't setting because the temperature is too high. So we told them to use a tomato set. Uh, but if you didn't do that, you lost, you know, maybe 80% of your first flowering crop. Whereas the people who planted early have already set their flowers. Even though the fruit may be, you know, the size of a quarter, the temperatures aren't going to be as detrimental to them as a person who is flowering. So kind of keep that in mind. Certain things you can get an early start. Tomatoes is a big one. Uh, corn is a big one. And that's also because of uh, pollination issues. And uh, potatoes are another one that you want to get an early start. Some things, you know, the advantage of, of getting an early start is, is not as big and, uh, and kind of keep that in mind. The other one that I haven't seen a lot of yet, uh, but we'll start to see it, is the blossom and rot, which we talked about two weeks ago. And all this is is a liquid calcium that you spray on the leaves, and it will prevent your first crop from getting this, this blackening on the bottom of the fruit. Hmm. And so it's, re- it's, it's organic. It's safe. Uh, it doesn't, you know, you don't spray it and say, oh, I've got to wait two days to uh, do it. But if you have a bunch of little tomatoes uh, on, on your plant, it, it is well worth That's just the time to do it once they do start to once show. Once they show. The green little tomatoes, and they could be, you know, a quarter again, size. again, you're putting it on the leaves, not the tomatoes. On the so. tomato You could spray the tomato, but it's mainly on okay. the leaves. Okay. Uh, and it absorbs this, this calcium in the leaves, and, uh, and it's the lack of calcium that causes, causes that blossom end. And rot, and so it's, it's disappointing for me because you know my my philosophy is if the people are successful when they leave my store and they are successful in in producing, they're gonna plant next year. Mm-hmm. But if it gets to the point where they can't do it, they're gonna give up and and go play video games. So what we try to do is 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 you know give you best chance of success, and this is an easy natural way to prevent that from happening on that first crop. They'll come in next year and say, man, I'm planting again, but you know what? Uh, last year, you know, 70, 75% of my first tomatoes, I had to throw them all away because they, they got some kind of fungus on the bottom of the, of the uh, tomato itself. And, and we tell them that's not a fungus, easily solvable, safe way to deal with it. And so that will prevent that. There's other ways to deal with that. There's calcium nitrate. There's side dressings. But this is, for people who have small gardens, two or three tomato plants, that's an easy way for both of these to allow you to have uh, uh, production really fast and uh, really easy. Cool. Okay, kind of uh, switching. I think that's all I want to talk about uh, when it comes to uh, the vegetables. But we're starting to get a lot of calls, Jeff, on citrus trees. Uh, you know, the, the damage from the cold that occurred uh, around Christmas this uh, last year uh, really was a lot harder than I thought it would be. Uh, I thought it would be more in terms of what occurred two years ago, but this one was much tougher on the Satsumas. Would you have a picture of that, Jeff? Am I looking at the grafting? Exactly, exactly. Cool, I figured it out. That's right, you did. And so what I have a picture with Jeff is I'm showing some in the, uh, in the nursery, in which, you know, all good citrus trees are grafted. And that's the only thing I get is grafted citrus trees. It's really important for survivability, production, and growth that you get a grafted tree. I had a question the other day. You know, why do lemons have seeds and limes don't? And I said, well, I've seen limes have seeds, Seed, yeah. and uh, that's more in nature, uh, not uh, necessarily grafted, I'm sure. Yeah, it has nothing to do with, with the grafting. But basically, the, the trees are grafted. Uh, because uh, you're putting two types of citrus together that uh, have strong have different strong points, and so obviously the the bottom graft, which is called the stock, the root part, 
is uh, is much hardier. It can it can take more abuse. It can take colder weather. Uh, it is just a stronger plant and will allow the scion, the top part, to grow much stronger and much more vigorously, as opposed to if you just planted a seed from a lemon or a satsuma, you're just going to get the upper part. You're not going to get that strong mm. uh, rootstock, and it makes a big difference. I mean, I mean, it's not worth buying a tree that is not that is not grafted, and uh, and so what has happened, and especially with the satsumas, people are calling and saying, "Look, the the, the top part of my tree." has died and uh but i see the sprouts coming at the base and that's what you're looking at there jeff and that base will grow 10 times faster than the upper part it's really really hardy but the problem with it is it's going to produce a fruit that's worthless it's going to make a sour fruit full of seeds and 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 worthless and so you got to look for that and and it can get really tricky jeff in the sense that uh what occurred in december killed a lot of the upper parts of these of many many citrus trees okay some people will come in and say and say you know what uh i think i got a good shot because only half the tree died and the other half looks really really good and so what could have happened there what probably happened there was that that rootstock sprouted maybe two or three years ago and and the homeowner didn't see it so you had a mixture of the good top and the bad top in the in the tree together and you won't know the difference it may take four or five years for that that rootstock to make a fruit so you won't know the difference but so always tell them say look either go back there and make a good visual inspection or give me a or come back with a with a a picture on your cell phone of the rootstock and the whole tree and let me look at it and nine times out of ten you have this beautiful where you're seeing these little small sprouts jeff Within six months, you're going to have a half-inch uh, 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 st- uh, uh, runner coming up the main, main stalk, a uh, uh, half-inch stalk coming up beautiful. I mean, it looks extremely vigorous and f- extremely strong, so it looks really good, and so people leave it. And uh, so you don't notice it until something like this happens, and, and in that case, you've got to deal with it. All right. Uh, may I have a caller on the line? Let's. See if it's a question or comment for Richard A. Bear. Hi, you're in the air. Yeah, I have. Uh, I'm growing my uh, bell peppers, and I've got little, little, like beige bugs all over the leaves. Yeah, nothing's really happening. I'm just wondering what to do about that. It's a, it's a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of them underneath the leaves. Yes. Yeah, that's aphids, and a lot of people say, oh, no, aphids are red. Aphids, they can come in different colors. I've seen them clear. I've seen them red. I've seen them black. So there's different types, and aphids are one you got to get rid of. Uh, a lot of people want to spray with seven or seven dust, which is an old remedy, but it doesn't get aphids. So you can use uh, permethrin, pyrethrins, uh, malathion. There's several things, but the key with the aphids, because they multiply extremely fast, is you got to do your repeat applications like spray uh, four or five days later, do it again, and probably a third time to do it. And uh, uh, and I would go ahead, if you have other plants such as tomatoes and all that, and go ahead and spray everything at once. But they'll get on these glossy leaves first, uh, and then when they they get the population gets so high, they'll start moving on to tomatoes and all that. So uh, uh, very common, very easy to control, but you do want to you do want to get them. 
Okay, so I got malachite, and I'll mix it the way that it says. Exactly. And I'll spray underneath on top and everything around it. Spray everything. And, and another mistake people make is that when it comes to mixing concentrated uh, chemicals such as malathion, it's really important to only mix what you're going to use for that spraying. You don't want to mix a gallon, spray it, and say, well, I need to spray it in four or five days. I'm going to hold that half a gallon that I mixed and spray it in four or five days. What happens okay. is the water, the water when you spray it evaporates, the chemical stays. When you don't spray it, the water stays and it breaks down the chemical uh, in your container. So just spray what you're going to use and, uh, and, uh, and then remix the next time you spray. Outstanding. Thank you, sir. Appreciate, Appreciate the call. 367-1240. If you do have a question or comment, don't hesitate to give us a call. So uh, you, you just you got to look for it when it comes to the uh, the citrus trees, and and we're just getting more and more calls, Jeff, of people saying uh, either you know what's happening with the tree. So what we're telling people at this point, you know, I have I have satsumas, but really the best time to plant all this stuff is actually the fall. And uh, and you know the other question we get is, man, in the fall, like we got a freeze, and I, I would have planted it in October, and we got a freeze uh, two months later that would, that killed them all. So what we tell people, anything that's within a year of planting, and if we get a freeze such as what we got in December, I just tell them to, to dig them out. And it ain't mm. hard to dig out. You almost pull them out. But, I mean, obviously you want to dig them out and put them in a bag. Uh, we had planted like 15 citrus uh, for our homeowner uh, in October. And so I called him and said, look, we're going to go there and dig them out, and then we'll come back and replant it. Just put them in your garage. And that's all you need to do. And, but it's not, you know, people say, well, no, I'm going to wait till the spring. And, but it's so unusual that we get the amount of cold that we got there. So it was two problems with that cold. One, you know, if we get down to 28, 27, 26, and it's only there for a few hours and it warms up the next day, covering them would have been fine, no problem. But when it gets down to 25 and below and doesn't get above freezing for a day or two, that's a problem, and covering wouldn't have helped. And that's why we knew we had to dig them up. So, so – so the fall is, but, but if you want to plant them, you can plant them now. But if you're, not, if you're going to wait, just let the plant do what it naturally wants to do, but don't let it sprout from the base. Keep cutting that base off. If you can get up there and start cutting, cutting, and it's obviously, you know, the, the, the wood is very, uh, is, it's very fragile and snaps. It's obviously dead. Keep cutting it till you get to anything that's soft and kind of supple, you know, and then just wait and just leave it alone. I tell people, don't fertilize. Just leave it alone and let Mother Nature do what it's going to do if it's going to do anything. Uh, if your tree is sprouting at this point but not, I mean, in, but not vigorous and, and has, has a lot of dead wood on it, leave it alone and let's see what happens. A lot of times when temperatures start to get into, you know, when it starts getting consistently high, late June, I mean, late July and, and August where the temperatures are just resilient and hot and we get a little bit of drought, sometimes – the vascular system was damaged, and it just can't pick up the water. That was picking the water is picking up now is different from the amount of water it's going to need to be be able to pick up in two months. And so a lot of times they'll just die at that point. But you know, just wait and see. If it's going to be there anyway, let let it go and wait and see. And uh, we just got to ride it out. It's uh, uh, you know, I used to I used to tell people, Jeff, you know, because we had we had two deadly freezes the last three years. But previous to that, it had been 1989 before we got one that was that cold. Mm -hmm. 
And so I used to tell people, so look, after a hard, hard freeze, such as we got two years ago, I would have planned immediately because the odds are with you that it's not going to happen. <laughs> well, it backfired on me this time, but I'm still going to stick to that and say, you know what? Uh, the odds of us getting another one anytime soon has to be to our advantage. But the climate has definitely changed, and uh, so things are a little bit different. But but anyway, years ago it uh, it used to be used to be good. Gotcha. Switching now to some of the flowering plants, and uh, it's definitely not too late to uh, plant flowers. And many people are just starting to plant their bedding plants. And the reason is because a lot of these bedding plants have done extremely well for two reasons in terms of the stuff that was planted in the fall uh, has done extremely well this spring because the spring was basically mild. We didn't get well, – I was worried. Remember early March, we were getting into the upper 80s. But then we had that cold weather, and we've really got some, some decent weather in terms of temperature. What we have not gotten decent is a lot of sunshine. We've gotten rain. But that has helped these, these plants in terms of temperatures have been kept down, and they've gotten the proper moisture that they needed. But that's fixing the change. You'll start to see a difference in all these snapdragons. Uh, it's just it's time for them to fade out. So people are starting to plant, uh, you know, pintas, uh, vinca, zinnias, purslane, a lot more. That's some of the basic stuff. The good news about all this stuff I just mentioned that the warmer it is, the better they do. You just got to give them a half a chance, keep them wet when you first plant them, but they will perform much, much better uh, with temperatures, with night temperatures hot than night temperatures cold. So you're definitely not too late, and there's a lot of, a lot of options, hibiscus and all that. They're really, you know, the hibiscus in the nursery are just exploding because night temperatures are warming up. And so you can see the difference between a hibiscus that we brought in the middle of March and then a hibiscus, that same hibiscus, how it looks now. I mean, it is triple in size. It's blooming, multiple blooms on it, and it just loves that, that it's tropical. So it loves these, these warm temperatures that are just starting and that are, that are going to continue to go. And uh, so that's it. Only thing I want to mention, we will be closed Mother's Day, Jeff. How you know? dare you? Yeah, I know. Isn't that something? And uh, But we have a big Mother's Day uh, weekend, you know, Friday, Saturday. We have, you know. A lot of people come through for Mother's Day, and we have a good selection of stuff. So, 20 to 30% chances of rain pretty much every day. Well, today may be a little better than that, but uh, that's not a cause for that's concern. It's almost what you're looking for this time of year. Th- exactly. I mean, that's kind of the normal pattern. We can get a rain any day in the summertime, and that's kind of where we are yeah. for the next few days. Anything else before we let you go? That's it, Jeff. Richard, always a pleasure. Uh, again, see Richard at the corner of Hopkins and West St. Peter. Richard, we'll look forward to the next time. Thank you, Jeff.